welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be continuing our sermon series this morning. We are in a series called uh, Bear Fruit, and what we've been looking at is the fruit of the Spirit and how that is to be experienced and demonstrated in just the practical ways that we're living our lives. And uh, we've looked at love, we've looked at joy, and we're going to be turning our attention to peace this morning. Um, I think most of us can relate to this idea, uh, but many of us would say that we've had an experience where we were working on a project, where we were trying to put something together, maybe even uh, some puzzlers here, and you got to kind of the end of your puzzle, and there was a piece missing, right? And there's this sense of disappointment, there's this sense of dissatisfaction, what you were trying to accomplish, what you were trying to do has to be left undone, it's unwhole, you recognize that it's incomplete, and there's just kind of this sense of maybe uh, unrest or being unsettled as a result of that. But you might not think much further than that as being really important or something that to, to be resolved. We might just kind of put that aside. You know, I'm missing a piece, and so I can just kind of move on with my life. Uh, substitute that with a kid, right? Have you ever misplaced one of your kids? Don't raise your hand if your spouse doesn't know, right? But I remember one time I walked out into the backyard and my daughter had been out there playing and she was no longer there. Uh, and she was uh, just a toddler at the time and the back gate was open and that missing piece was not just a sense of dissatisfaction or disappointment. There was fear, there was alarm, I was freaking out, right? And the type of freaking out that you do where you're trying to figure out the answer to the problem before you have to tell your spouse that there's a problem, that's what I was kind of hurrying through. I ran out the back gate, I ran down the alley, I'm all over the place, I start hollering. And of course, like many kids, she had not gone anywhere. Uh, she had just moved to the side of the house where I couldn't see her and was hiding. Uh, thanks a lot for that piece of trauma. <laughs> but in that sense, when that uh, was unsettled, when that piece was missing, right, there was something that I could discern very clearly and that I was not at peace. And what I want to suggest to you is that in, in any area of your life where there's a sense of something missing, a sense of incompleteness, a sense that something is not whole or settled, where there's a dissatisfaction or a disappointment, that if you would look and investigate in those areas, oftentimes what you would find is that there is a peace that is missing in that situation. And before we move forward this morning, I want to ask you just a few questions for you to consider, maybe through the duration of our time this morning, um, or you can loop back to these uh, later on towards the close. But is, is there an area in your life today where you sense unrest? Is there a place where you're not settled in your person or in your relationships, in your spirit, where you, where you would say, Pastor Ben, I'm not whole, or this situation isn't whole, or this relationship is not whole, that there's something that's unreconciled or out of place? And I would say that in those areas that you can probably readily recognize, those are places where you are not experiencing the presence and the peace of God because things are not whole. But I would encourage you this morning with this truth that God intends to bring peace to those areas of your life. 
It is his intention to be present there. It is his intention to bring peace there. And in many ways, he has already made that available to us in Christ. And in many ways, he wants to use that for us to make that available to the world around us as well. So this morning, as we continue uh, our series, we're going to turn our attention to peace. In Galatians chapter 5, this has kind of been our anchor verse, and this is where Paul begins to discuss the fruit of the Spirit. It says this, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you're just kind of joining us in this series, and this is kind of your first dip into this, there's nine that are uh, uh, identified here. They really are three groups of three, and they're focusing directionally on certain relationships. Uh, The first three are vertical. The second three are outward to the world around us. And the the third three have to do with internal character formation. All of these are character of Christ that is being formed in us by the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit. And we, when we are alignment and participating with the Spirit of God, these are the demonstrated response. This is what is naturally produced in us, so that kind of catches you up a little bit. You can go to the first two messages in the series to get a little bit more. But the Spirit of God, when it is at work, when the Spirit of God, when He is at work in your life, it should result in peace should result in peace. Both experience, you should have an experience, a sense of peace and wholeness, but it should also be something that is demonstrated. And what that would look like in your life would be when you were going through a time of difficulty and you should be freaking out, but you don't seem to be freaking out and people say, what's the deal with you? How could you be dealing with that trauma or dealing with that disappointment? How could you be walking through that difficulty and seem to have your stuff together? What is different about you? And the difference in that answer would be the peace that you are experiencing because of the presence of the Spirit of God at work in your life. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get those out. Raise them up. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I want to encourage you to open up your Bible app. If you don't have a Bible app, you can download it right now. You can get it done before we're done praying. Lord, we ask that you give us soft hearts to receive from your word today. Lord, um, as the parable that Jesus spoke, Lord, that the, the soil of our hearts would be good and that we would receive the seed of your word, that it would go deep. Lord, that it would take root and that it would grow, but that there would be more than growth, that there would be fruition, that there would be a fruitfulness as a result of that. May we demonstrate the fruit of your spirit in our lives in practical ways this week as a result of our time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we turn our attention to peace this morning, uh, I want to hone in on that word. I want to talk to you a little bit uh, about that word that is used there and really the the theme of peace in all of Scripture. Uh, That word that Paul uses as something that is a uh, a demonstration of this fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that word peace, that word is used 80 different times in the New Testament. Every single New Testament book uses that word or a derivative of it. It is, a, it is a common and important focus through the whole of the New Testament. And the word itself is something that is related to the Hebrew word, the Old Testament word of shalom. That would still even be a common greeting in uh, Hebraic circles today. And that idea, that word, uh, what, what comes to mind when you think about peace? Right? I, want you, I want you to think about that. If, if somebody said, hey, are you, are you experiencing peace? Right? For parents, most of us, we equate peace with quiet because that's really the longing of our hearts. Right? I just want my home to be still. I want my kids to be still, and I want my kids to be quiet. 
Uh, and that sometimes is the way that we think of peace. Maybe you think of kind of getting out of the office or getting out in nature. You're thinking about serenity and tranquility. You just want to be maybe at rest. There, there's a lot of different connotations that come up with that. And those are kind of nuances to this word, but this word has so much more meaning. And in fact, at the root, at the heart of this word in both the Greek and the Hebrew, it has to do with things being whole, things being whole and in place. And really there's this kind of, this uh, push and pull of being healthy and whole, healthy and whole, that they go together in a sense. It means to be set in order, that things are all in place, that they are complete, that none of the pieces to your puzzle are missing, that none of the parts to your project have been misplaced, that none of your kids are lost. That there's a completeness to what's going on. And then in the nuance of relationship, that there is a friendship or a friendly quality to the relationship that is enjoyed. And then when you move from the idea of kind of that as a noun, something to be uh, uh, experienced and, and demonstrated in a way, the verb, the action of it is to bring peace It's to actually create an atmosphere where reconciliation, where wholeness, where health, where that's the result of what is taking place. And in particular with relationships, that there would be a restored harmony to interaction. So at the heart of this idea, of this idea of peace, being a demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit, is that when the Spirit of God is at work in your life, when, as Paul says later in that chapter, that as you are living by the Spirit and keeping step with the Spirit, that as this peace is something that begins to be demonstrated in your life, it's not just this sense of kind of tranquility, but there's a wholeness and a health and a harmony that is being restored in every area of your life because of the activity of the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is present and working, it is moving the parts of your life towards that, putting things back together, restoring, reconciling, redeeming, completing, making whole. And most of the time, we won't recognize when, we're, when, when we are at peace, right? If, you, if we go back to the puzzle, you know, you've got the last piece. My kids tend to hide one. Um, makes me feel like one's missing, and I start like, wait, 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 and then they're like, aha, and they pull the puzzle piece out because they're highly competitive, and they want to be the one to complete the puzzle as if there's a prize. There's never a prize, but they act as if there is one. But when you complete your puzzle, you put that last piece in place, you may feel a sense of satisfaction. It's like, great, and then you just kind of move on. You don't necessarily recognize that there's peace and harmony. You don't, you don't really pause for that type of thought. But when something's missing, you know the lack of peace. We easily recognize what it feels like to be unsettled in our person, in our relationships, in our pursuits. And so as we opened this morning with that question, where are you unsettled? It is likely you had an answer, boom, immediately. You know the relationship that is in disharmony. You know the places that you are relationally fractured. You know the places where you feel distant from God. You know the places where your values are out of whack or you've been pursuing the wrong things. You know the places of your shortcomings and your failings and the places of maybe bondage in your life, places where you intend to get better, to do better, to move forward, but you don't seem to be able to make any headway. You can easily recognize those because we can recognize that disharmony. There's a lack of peace in that area of our life. And what happens when you and I are lacking peace, this sense of being unsettled moves us to begin to search. 
We start searching. You got a puzzle piece missing? You start looking on the floor for the puzzle piece. If you're smart, you start looking in your kid's pockets because somebody's hiding a puzzle piece. But it sets us to searching. We start looking. When we recognize this disharmony, when we are unsettled, it is a motivator that moves us towards searching. It sets us to looking, and it should move us or drive us to search or to reach for God. But if it doesn't move us in that direction, it will move us in some other direction because there are other ways that we can drift towards other offerings and the things that we search and we reach for. And you don't need a ready list of those. You could actually begin to write yours down when you are in disharmony in your relationships. Where do you reach for? Where do you search? Where do you go? Do you look for another relationship? Do you reach for something to help you forget? Do you try to lose yourself in some type of pursuit, some type of activity? Do you try to have some type of, of, of thing that will draw your attention? Like we, we recognize when we run towards those other things. We're left searching and reaching, but there's only one source. There's only one source for complete and lasting peace. You can find a momentary respite in reaching towards other things, but it will always be temporary. It will never satisfy and you will find that the missing piece is still missing, and it will compound that sense of unrest in you. You'll be almost more deeply unsettled as a result of pursuing the wrong things and finding them to be empty. And our challenge, at least for me at times, and I would suggest is true for you, is our challenge is that when we are not at rest and we can sense a lack of peace, we oftentimes equate that with thinking that we're no longer at peace with our Heavenly Father. We're not, peace, we're not at peace with God. And we begin to try to pursue, I've got to get this right, right? I sense that something's wrong, I've got to make it right, so then I can be okay with Dad in a sense. When I was in junior high, several of my friends were over at one of their houses, and we were unsupervised, and we all had our BB guns. And so this story is not going to end positively. And so we decided that we were going to shoot birds in the backyard, and we were going to be these great marksmen and hunters, and so that's just what we started doing. We started trying to pop rounds off and shoot dove and pigeon in the backyard. And every time we would try to maneuver into position, it didn't seem like we were able to get a good shot, and then sometimes we would be seen or exposed and the birds would fly off. And so we decided that we were going to uh, fix that. We were going to change our vantage point for our shots. And so we went outside of the yard, and went to the back of the house and hid behind the fence. And the birds would come and they'd land in the yard and then we would peek up over the back fence. Now some of you are shooters and you know that there's a problem here because in our foreground may be the birds but in the background is the house. Some of you are like, you are not, you're not following the rules, Pastor Ben. Well, middle school Ben was full of bad ideas. You can trust me. And I don't know who it was. I just assume it wasn't me because I'm an incredible marksman. If you ask me, I'll tell you so you know it's true. But as we were shooting towards those birds, it was a ricochet or a missed shot, but it hit the sliding glass door. And even back in the late 80s, the sliding glass doors were safety glass, and it started to spider crack, and we knew we were in trouble. And then it just all fell out, and we knew we were in big trouble. 
And there was not just a missing piece in the puzzle. There was a missing back door to my friend's house. And we responded with fear and alarm and responded how many of us do. The first thing oftentimes we do when something is disrupted, we want to run and hide. Right? Which is really an interesting response since I already told you we were unsupervised. There was nobody home. There was no reason really to run and hide. But there was this sense of we are in so much trouble, they're probably going to come home this minute. Right? So we ran and we hid, and then after we figured out, well, we really are alone, then we're going to try to fix this before his dad gets home. We spent the rest of the afternoon scouring the neighborhood, picking up old soda cans and glass bottles and a shopping cart, and we were filling it all up because our best idea was to come home with like $100 worth of recycling and be like, hey, we shot out the big sliding door to your house, but look, we fixed it by giving you another chore to do before you can fix this one. And we wanted to amend it and fix it on our own. And can I tell you that little has changed since Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Little has changed since the garden. When we find ourselves disrupted and we find ourselves lacking peace, we do like Adam and Eve, we run and hide. And then we try to make excuses and try to figure out a way to fix it on our own. We run away. But I can tell you, listen to me, in any area of your life right now where you are unsettled, where you are lacking peace, you need to run to God. You need to run to Jesus. You need to run to the Spirit of God. You need to, because there is no other source for complete and lasting peace. There is no other place that you can go to be made whole, to find health, to be put back into proper relationship with the Lord and relationship to the world around you. And it's God's design in your, in your life to do that. In Romans chapter 5, in Romans chapter 5, it says this. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a note taker, if you like to highlight or underline, you need to make some type of indication on that phrase that you have peace with God. Our first response in areas of our life where we are not at, uh, at, at peace, when there is unrest and where we are unsettled, many times we recognize our part in that disruption and we run from God to try to fix it ourselves or to hide from him because we assume his displeasure instead of making our way to the only one who can bring wholeness and health and peace to that situation. And it's because we fundamentally uh, either do not understand or we have forgotten to remind ourselves that in Christ we have peace with God. In fact, Paul goes through great length in the next several verses to unpack that, where he says that it's through Jesus that we have gained access into grace and that we stand in that place because of faith and that we get to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because of that result and that our hope doesn't disappoint, that when we put our hope in the Lord through Christ, that we're never disappointed at the outcome of that, that we can endure difficulties and hardships as a result of that, that we can even have peace in our life when all the circumstances of our life are in turmoil, when it's an absolute upheaval, and when somebody would be looking at our lives and say that, that you should be falling apart because your whole life is falling apart, but you can be held whole, you can be at peace, you can remain in Christ because of the work that he's done in you. And it's not because you've merited it. It's not because you've worked hard enough. You haven't actually produced anything of value towards this effort 
at all. And Paul goes at great length in chapter 6. He says at just the right time when we were still powerless, when we were still stuck in the frailty of uh, humanity, unable to really do anything on our own behalf to help ourselves is the indication there that it was when we were in that place that Christ died for the ungodly. It's not even like you missed the mark a little bit. It's not even like, well, you know, I had good intentions. The, Paul, the, the picture that Paul paints here is that apart from Christ, when you and I are left in this, uh, this uh, state of being disrupted and fractured in relationship from God, he paints a picture of us being an enemy of God, shaking our fists and giving God the finger, living our life our own way, compounding the brokenness in our life, restless and restless, broken and broken, just everything being compounded until Christ intervenes and makes a difference. And in Christ, what Paul would say, in Christ, all of that gets reversed. All of that gets set right. If you've said yes to Jesus, listen to me, you have peace with God. You are right with dad. And you may make a silly mistake and you may blow out the back window to the house, but you don't need to run and hide. Dad loves you. You don't need to fix it yourself. Dad can fix it. He can fix the window and he can fix you in the process. He can make you whole. He can make you healthy. He can make you walk in freedom. He can restore your soul. He's the good shepherd. We get to come to him and receive. And this is where peace is something that is imparted to you and I. The the spirit of God produces peace in us because we are at peace with him. We get to receive first and then we get to be a part of bringing peace to the world around us. And the Holy Spirit, when he's present and active in our lives, and when we are, uh, as Paul would later say in the chapter 5, that when we are living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit, that it's in that place that the Holy Spirit reminds us of this truth. And whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, I encourage you guys always to go to John chapter 14, 15, and 16. It's a great primer on who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our life. Jesus goes through great length to make sure that his disciples have a heads up of how the Holy Spirit is going to interact in their lives and move in and through them. And in that context, we're reminded that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us and remind us and convict us and convince us of what is true. And what has become true of you because of the work of Jesus is that you have been made right with dad. You have peace with God. And whenever there's a place in your life that is disrupted, that is unsettled, that is uh, fractured, where there is brokenness, where there is a need for redemption or reconciliation, when that is something that you are aware of, instead of having to run and hide, you get to run too. And you get to receive again the peace that passes all understanding. In one of Paul's other letters, he says that this peace guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That you don't have to be overwhelmed by your sense of guilt within, and you don't have to be overwhelmed by your thoughts, but that you can run and you can experience peace. If you're lacking peace in an area of your life, wherever it is, you need to run to your Heavenly Father today. Just run and say, hey, Dad, this, this is broken. This has a piece missing. I followed all the directions, and I did my very best, but there's a piece missing, and I, I, can't, I can't complete this. Or, Dad, this is broken, and I broke it. It was a bad decision, <laughs> and I did it. 
We offer those things to him, and he begins to work in us as a result. We demonstrate the peace of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives because we have peace with God. And there's a kingdom principle that Jesus speaks on, and, and, and we talk about this often. It's, it's, it's very simple, but it's a foundational thing for us to hold on to. And it's this, that, that you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot, you cannot give what you do not have. You can't relate peaceably to people around you, and you can't react peaceably to difficult circumstances. You can't respond with a peace that you haven't received yet. That's why these first three, love, joy, and peace, they direct us back to God as the source. We go to dad, we receive, and then we can go and do something in the world around us as a result of that. If you need peace, go to dad. Ask for peace. He says yes. When you're lacking peace, don't run from him. Run to him and allow him to do that work. He's already provided that way in Christ. Now, if you haven't received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, that sense of unrest in you will remain. Because there is no peace apart from him. And you can choose to continue looking and searching and reaching for all manner of things that would somehow kind of take your mind off it or replace it for a moment, but you will compound that sense of unrest because you will find yourself disappointed again and again and again. And so there may be hearts here today or those joining us online, you need, you need to say yes to Jesus because the peace that you are looking for, the peace that your heart is longing for that maybe you didn't even recognize until this moment, it can only be found in one place. And I would encourage you to go to that source because God is the peacemaker. He is the one that looked at you and I in our sin and brokenness and far off and he says, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to work in this area. I'm going to move on their behalf. I'm going to do what they can't do. I am the peacemaker. He reconciled us. He restored us. He redeemed us to himself. He sets us in place. He makes us whole. He produces health. He restores friendly relation to us. That's another nuance of that word. We have peace and we are complete. We are made whole in him. And then we move from there and the fruit of the Spirit in your life is first received. And so this is something that's oftentimes going on internally in you and I as we are being spiritually transformed by the person of Christ and the work of His Spirit in our lives. But then the way that it becomes demonstrated or expressed to the world around us now is the way that we live in relationship with others. And there's an interesting verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It's part of the Beatitudes. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. We spent uh, some time in the Beatitudes in an earlier sermon series. You can go back in the archives and find a deep dive on some of this stuff if you would like. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, as Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he says these words. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. 
And what you find demonstrated in here is that just as God is a peacemaker and he is the source of our peace, we are to actually participate in extending that to the world around us. It's a, it's a family trait in a sense. It's a like father, like son, like father, like daughter. He's the peacemaker and we are called to be peacemakers as well. We have been reconciled and restored. We have been set and made whole, and then we are to go, and as a result, do likewise in the world around us, in the way that we live, in the way that we relate to others. He is a peacemaker, and we are to be as well. And this is where it gets really challenging. This is why you have to receive before you can give, because Jesus says some pretty challenging things to us. If you remember on one occasion, if we go back to the fruit of the Spirit, talking about love, that as Jesus was in a, a, a conversation with somebody who came and said, hey, what, what do I really need to do in this, in this Bible thing? Like, what, what's the most important commandment that God gives? And he would say and responds with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, right? So you've got to have love that you receive from God in order to extend it to your neighbors, but you also have to have received it into yourself. All of those things are, are working there. And those are hard, right? Can we be honest? Those are hard. We have a hard time sometimes properly relating to God and receiving his love, demonstrating it towards him. And we certainly make a mess of it with people frequently. But on the Sermon on the Mount, there's another thing that Jesus says in regarding in the way that we're supposed to love and interact with the world around us. And it bridges this idea of peace and harmony and bringing things together. He says, you have heard, love your uh, neighbor, but hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is like where we're like, pastor, like, I think your time's up this morning. <laughs> the, you know, the clock, it, your clock is off. Like these are those hard things where it's like not just, hey, you, you need to love God and love your neighbor and you need to understand how to have value of your own person, but you need to go another step and you need to love your enemy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like how do I get there? You can't unless you receive God's love. It's his love that ends up being demonstrated and worked out in your life and then you can get there, but the spirit of God's gonna have to lead you. See, it's the Spirit of God at work in us that ends up producing that ultimate, that second and that third tier of being able to relate properly to a broken world. And this world is broken, and you don't need me to tell you that. And the same thing is true of being a peacemaker. If you, if you don't understand that you have been made right in relationship with God, okay, you will fundamentally relate wrongly to everybody else even those that you would, with your best intentions, attempt to relate correctly towards. You have to be reconciled and made whole, and it's from what you receive, that's what you can give. And one of the biggest challenges here for you and I is the, the phrase peacemaking. Because what you and I are most familiar with is not being peacemakers, we're peacekeepers. And parents, you know this to be true. Right? Your kids get in a, in, in a squabble. I don't know what happens in your home, but in the Hackbarth house, go to your rooms. Right? I'm going to create peace. It's going to get quiet in my home. There's going to be cease to be hostility and conflict. And like, that's peacekeeping. Peacekeeping always separates and removes. And that may give you a sense of peace in your home. 
But as your kids are in their separate rooms stewing and becoming more angry at the other as they replay what happened in their head and as they rehearse what was going on, and then as they begin to direct animosity towards you for the part that you played in separating it out, and as you're upstairs working through your own bad mental loop of who your kids are and how they're acting and they just, they're just like their mother or their father or whoever it is that is going to get the blame for this, and then you and your spouse are in disharmony and the next time you have a conversation about their kids or about what took place and then all of a sudden you're home, it's not at peace, is it? There's no rest there. It was quiet for a moment. See, peacekeeping separates and removes. Peacemaking always brings together and it restores. And it is much more difficult for you as a parent to sit down with your two kids and have an honest conversation that moves through reconciliation and restoring the relationship. It's always more difficult to be a peacemaker. But that's what you and I have been called to do. We've been called to be peacemakers. That when we see brokenness in the world, that we become an agent for wholeness. That when we see fractures in relationship, that we look to lose so that the whole can win. And we can't do that unless we're receiving. If we're not at peace with our Heavenly Father, if we don't recognize, receive, if we, if, if we don't start there, we can't, we can't do the other stuff very, very well. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 can be a helpful and harmful verse at the same time. As Paul is writing to the church in Rome about this dynamic, he says this. He says, if it is possible, right, leaves you a little bit of an out. There's a cracked back door. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And I like this verse because it recognizes our human frailty. It recognizes our tendency to not get this right. Now the challenge can be, I, I can use this for an early exit when I don't want to work at peacemaking. But the goal here is to recognize that there's going to have to be work that's put in towards that to see peace, to see harmony, to see reconciliation, to see restoration for the fruit of the Spirit to be expressed in your life as peace. It won't be produced by accident. You will have to intentionally engage with living a life that is led by the Spirit of God and you will have to lean into some of these hard things. And sometimes the challenge, just like we can't love our neighbors if we don't love ourselves, that we've got to receive love from God to extend it. Sometimes the challenge is making peace within yourself as well. You've heard it made mention a little bit earlier in our next steps that we've got a new care team that we've launched here at the church, and it's a, a team of leaders that are competent and credentialed at helping you move towards health and wholeness. Sometimes we need somebody to walk with us through pastoral care or healing to freedom prayer or counseling. Because sometimes it's, it's a journey with others that leads us to a place of peace and reconciliation. Just like if my kids need to be restored in relationship, I can leave them in the basement to work it out. Or I can enter into that space and hold that position in the middle in order to bring about reconciliation. If the fruit of the Spirit is going to be demonstrated in my life this week... 
if it's going to be recognized as peace in the way that I live, it's going to end up being demonstrated in three ways. It's going to be demonstrated in my understanding and how I relate to the Heavenly Father. That when I see things that are disruptive in my life, that my first response is I'm running to dad. He already knows about it, so I'm not tattling on myself. I'm going to go and I'm going to get this fixed. The second place that it is going to be demonstrated in the world around me is the way that I endure difficulties or disappointments or hardships. When people would look at my life or your life and say, hey, your life is falling apart. Why aren't you? And it's an opportunity to demonstrate the peace that you have apart from your circumstances because it comes from a person and you receive that from your father. And it's going to be something that is demonstrated in the way that I relate to people. And in all of those things, I've got to receive before I give. And so we run to the Lord to do that. Church family, if you would stand this morning, we're going to take an opportunity to respond. We're going to pray. Worship team, if you would come back forward, we're going to close in just a moment. And as you're standing, I want to circle back to those questions that we kind of began with, that introspection, that look inside, kind of that conversation with the Holy Spirit, and just remind you of those. Where, where in your life are you unsettled? For some of you, when I asked that question, when I said, where are you unsettled? Where are you uh, fractured? Where are you incomplete? What's not whole? For some of you, that the first thing that you thought of was a person. It's a relationship that is hurt or broken or fractured. Some of you, the first thought that you had was a, a, a struggle that you're having in your life. Something that seems to be a reoccurring theme and you keep coming back to that same point of failure or that same point of offense or hurt. Some of you, that place of unrest is a place of decision and you're not sure what to do. You're not really sure what direction to go. You're not really sure how to respond. And you're puzzling and puzzling and puzzling. But in your own wisdom and in your own thought circle, you're just, you're just spinning in circles. The answer to those places of unrest in our lives is, is to run to your Heavenly Father. It's to bring those to, to Him today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you have a place of unrest, if you have a place of dissatisfaction or disappointment, a place that you know is broken and unwhole, a place that's unsettled, a place that is unreconciled, you have an area of your life where things are just, they're, they're not in correct place or order. If you would just extend your hands out in front of you as if you're offering that puzzle, that problem, that project to the Lord, offering it to him in a way that he would, he would take that from your hands and begin to work in that area and that you would receive his peace in its place. Lord, we run to you today. And Lord, you know what it is that we hold in front of you, whether it's a relationship or whether it's something of our own spiritual discipline or transformation whether it's a concern for someone else that we've looked to try to be the answer to. Where there is a place of need or provision that we've somehow tried to provide for ourselves. Lord, you know this place of unrest in us and we offer it to you. And we respond to your invitation today to receive your peace 
to be reminded once again by your Holy Spirit that we are in right relationship to you. Because of Christ, we are right. We are whole. We are at peace with you. And so, Lord, we run to you with these other issues of life and say, Lord, as you have given us peace, show us how to live this out. Show us how to walk this out. Show us how to demonstrate this in the way that we relate to people and in the way that we endure difficulty. Lord, that we would be healthy and whole because you have made us so. That we would experience your peace and that we would become peacemakers who help others experience that as well. And Lord, for any heart here whose unrest is a result of being outside of Christ, Lord, they haven't received you as Lord and Savior, would you move them today to confess their sin and their need for you and to say yes to Jesus. Lord, that today would be the beginning of receiving your spirit and the fruit that comes of his activity in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple of action steps for you this week. They're pretty simple. If you want to, you can snap a picture of these or you can catch them on Facebook later. But this week, in any area where you are dealing with unrest, kind of you're unsettled, you're uncertain, invite the Holy Spirit to bring peace in that moment. Take a moment. Stop, pray, invite the Holy Spirit to come and work in that way. And then as you receive peace, demonstrate that in your response, both to people and the way that you respond to circumstances. Let's go out singing.